Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of We Are HR. Uh, I'm Rio Parker, Recruitment Consultant with HR Partners, and I'm lucky enough to be recording today with two nominees from HRD Magazine's HR Rising Stars. Uh, we have Kira Lee Richardson, People and Culture Manager at Aussie Broadband, and Stephanie Robinson, People Advisor at Dental Health Services Victoria. Welcome, Kira Lee and Steph. Thank you both for, for joining us today. How's, how's it all going? Good. Yeah, awesome, awesome. HR is always a busy time coming into Christmas. I mean, I've been speaking with a lot of people, a lot of projects that are coming to the fold. How are you guys finding things um, where you're at at the moment? How's Aussie Broadband? Uh, well, we, we haven't really stopped through COVID at all. So it's sort of just continuing um, very fast, chugging towards Christmas and, and uh, a new year and, and, you know, a new year of new projects and whatnot. So it doesn't feel much different to me at the moment other than just working from home. Yeah, absolutely. It was actually my first day back in the office yesterday. So, you know, I think we're going to start seeing those big workforces migrating back. Um, you know, I know the public sector as well, Steph, um, looking to sort of get 25% capacity by, by January, 50% by February. But how's it all going at Dental Health? Yeah, we've been really busy. Uh, obviously, COVID affected um, the, the level of service that we could provide because there were certain dental procedures that were um, under restrictions. So uh, we're just building our workforce back to 100% um, pretty soon. So we've we've been really busy lately and we've got a big waiting list that uh, we need to need to get to and, and see those, those patients that have been waiting during COVID. So very busy. Absolutely. Well, I'm really glad that both of you could join us today because we, we do have a quite a young, aspiring HR audience. Um, and certainly both of you nominated for the HRD Rising Star Awards, which is a massive accomplishment in its own right. Um, but yeah, how, how do you even get nominated for that? I, I mean, it's obviously impressive in some of the things that you've done. I read them out before. Um, what, what did you do to get involved and how did you find the experience? Um, sure. So uh, I was nominated by uh, my team. So we have a, a media team at Aussie um, and um, they're uh, quite often writing uh, award submissions for different things as well as these sorts of nominations too. So um, uh, <laughs> the humble, you know, self-doubt person in me is like, I don't know what I did to deserve a nomination, let alone a win, but uh, I'm very grateful. And um, there's a lot of things that went into uh, the nomination and uh and different things that we have achieved. So um, I guess it's it's a it's a great achievement and accomplishment, and it's it's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And and Steph, what, what about yourself? Yeah, much like um, Kira Lee. So I got nominated by my team through my um, HR manager, um, and I think it was yeah, it was just recognition over the last couple of years, just for a few things that we'd achieved and uh, increasing engagement survey participation, increasing some reporting capabilities and things like that. So, yeah, I'm very humbled to be nominated as well. And, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Lovely. And did you guys get the chance to speak to each other at all during the process? I mean, obviously now it's like a COVID year, so we're all working from home. No, I haven't. Uh, I've had a, a few uh, LinkedIn um, interactions, I guess, with different people. Um, who um, across the country who were also nominated and, and uh, were shortlisted for the award. But um, other than that, I haven't really been able to meet anybody for, <laughs> for, uh, for months anyway. So um, yeah, no, this is, yeah, this is uh, quite cool. It's been, um, it's been an interesting time. Um, obviously, everyone's working from home. You know, did, you, did you pick up a, a COVID, uh, I guess, a COVID objective over the time, the lockdown? Um, me personally, I, I started cooking. Um, I decided to spend a whole lot more time walking my dog um, and also um, uh, focused on um, 
music as well. So uh, I'm a musician. Um, so uh, playing the guitar better and, and spending more time, you know, sort of doing that personally. Um, and uh, I don't know whether this is relevant or not, but in my personal life, I've actually started playing music for the neighbours on the porch connected to an amp. Um, wow. before, before all the pubs and stuff were open, you know, the whole live music scene, before that kicked off again, um, I decided to bless the neighbours with uh, with my noise. And um, so that's, that's basically been my COVID project. That's been what's keeping me sane. That's fantastic. Awesome. I bet your neighbours love you. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I, I reckon that would have been awesome, um, you know, particularly while everyone was sort of a little bit down over that period just to have someone that can kind of boost the atmosphere. I think also that yeah. that sort of touches on well-being a little bit. Um, mm. you know, I think that was probably one of the crucial things. And obviously in HR, making sure that the workforce is well-being um, is being looked after is a, a really critical thing. So scheduling in that time. What, what about you, Steph? I moved during COVID. So I went and moved from Brunswick to Port Melbourne, which was, which was very, um, yeah, it was fun because I got the chance to explore a new suburb, although most of the shops were closed. Um, and they're only just starting to reopen. Um, so that's exciting as well. But, yeah, no, it's been good to uh, get out a little bit more and go for a beach walk on the lunch break and another one after work finishes. Um, so, yeah, it's been nice. Absolutely. How do you guys find working from home as a whole? I don't mind it at all, to be honest. Um, yeah. I get to spend spend the whole day with my dog and, um yeah, I find it I find it quite pleasant. But at the same time, sorry, there was my dog sneezing in the background. Um, <laughs> at the same time, though, uh, my team and I have only been working off site since August. So I know that there's a whole lot of people um, who have been working uh, from home since you know, February, March. Um, so I imagine it's significantly easier for me only a couple months into the journey than uh, than some others. I've been working from home since March, and I've I've probably got. A little bit of a opposing view on working from home. I don't, I don't like it all that much. Um, I think maybe one or two days a week, but I really miss the engagement with our people, especially being in a hospital environment. Um, that's mm. when you get the most information on the ground and uh, seeing the people that you work with day to day. So I'm, I've been missing it for sure. Absolutely. And I think it's about striking that balance between productivity as well. I mean, you know, me speaking, um, honestly, uh, there's been times where, you know, it's really hard to motivate yourself to get going. Um, you know, there's that sense of accountability that you do get when you're in the office environment as well. Um, I think the, the trade-off of flexibility is also really quite fantastic. But um, I found yesterday when I went back into the office, getting back into the swing of things was, um, yeah, it was, it was really nice. Um, so it's certainly missing the office. And it's amazing what you miss, even as little things, you know, the water cooler conversations and the, you know, the talking crap about what you did on the weekend and stuff. And um, that's something that we've, um, my team have been really focused on uh, this year is making uh, dedicated time for those missed conversations um, about what you got up to on the weekend and how you're actually feeling and the, the stuff that doesn't usually constitute a meeting that is important for that connection and connectedness. Um, that we've really encouraged people to um, do throughout the workplace, not just in our team um, as well. I think that's been really important to helping helping keep that um, uh, that sense of connection and, and interaction alive because, um, yeah, absolutely do miss it. Um, well, I, I thought this was a fantastic opportunity. I mean, as I sort of mentioned, we've got a lot of young HR practitioners um, that are looking to sort of advance in their careers and, you know, certainly both of you guys probably present um, that model of what that looks like and you know how to sort of take that step 
Um, but I'm kind of curious to sort of see, you know, do, is there any skills that you see as necessary for young HR people to advance? I think um, being flexible and adaptable, um, given this year that they've been through um, pretty key skill sets that I think would be really important. Um, also, willing willingness to learn and make the most of each situation. Um, and then more specifically, I think EBA interpretation is a really good one um, to start off with and sort of leads you into workplace relations and developing those skills. Um, and also analytics and data is a as a pretty key part, um, being able to make evidence-based decisions and look at what the data is telling us and how we can improve um, different initiatives based on fact. And, you know, obviously I work in, in HR recruitment as well, so I do speak to a lot of my clients and, you know, people looking to make that step up to that advisory level, it's not just necessarily having the employee relations knowledge or enterprise bargaining knowledge, but it's knowing what resources you can tap into to find the information. Um, be able to come up with that accurately. You know, if the government changes their legislation on something in particular, it might be around COVID masks, knowing where to find that information and then being able to write that into policy. Um, you know, certainly that's a, a skill set that I'm seeing. And the analytics one's also quite interesting as well. Um, you know, speaking to clients at that sort of higher level, there's certainly a lot of investment going into HR analytics, um, but not necessarily everyone knows how to use it and get the right metrics out of it. So uh, absolutely, that's certainly what I'm seeing on the market as well still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd um, quite agree with that. I think they're quite emerging um, areas for existing HR people too. Um, <clears throat> uh, people who work in bigger companies probably have those things down pat already, but um, for especially those people who are working in smaller companies and, you know, the only HR person in, in an organisation potentially, um, it's a real emerging skill. Um, the only other thing I could contribute to that is, yeah, that resourcefulness. It's not so much what you know, but where to find it and being able to say to someone, I don't know the answer, but it's okay, I'll get back to you um, with that. That's important. And also having the curiosity um, about and thinking about why um, people or why decisions are being made that way and sort of being able to ask yourself those questions. Um, I found that very useful, um, especially when looking at um, performance improvement conversations and those really tough, uh, tough, difficult conversations in other areas of HR. Um, if you can think about why it's happening or why someone feels that way or why they're doing something that way, um, you might come up with a solution that you wouldn't have previously seen. And um, for them, uh, for, for the guys at home listening, um, you know, where would you sort of suggest that they can sort of build that skill set to, to be able to tap into that resourcefulness? Did you find that you learned that on the job? Was there any particular formal education that you did? Was there research you did outside of your own time or networking groups or know, associations that you were a part of where you, know, you, you gained that capability? Um, for me, I did um, I did my bachelor's degree um, and I've also done postgraduate study as well. Um, but probably the big thing that really helped me uh, with those skills was um, doing some temp work with, um, with recruiters because you're not always um, going to be offered a permanent role um, straight up and being able to do different assignments and projects that are short term, gets your foot in the door, gets some experience, but also throws you into a new industry or a completely new environment where you've got to start running, uh, basically, and pick things up really quick um, because, you know, you've got a project to do or you've got something to do. You're there for an assignment. Um, and that resourcefulness and, um, and looking at things differently, um, I think that's probably where it was born for me. Um, 
I certainly found that very useful in my early career. That's fantastic. It's, a, it's definitely an insight I hadn't heard before as well, but um, you know, certainly I have I work with a lot of temporary contractors and I think it's that ability to sort of experience HR in a different organisation mm. and it, um, you start to realise the things that are in common um, and go from there. Did you find something similar there, Steph? Yeah, I think for me, um, I, I found it really helpful as soon as I started at um, DHSB. I had an onboarding experience that was amazing and it did set me up to be pretty resourceful. I met with um, leaders in all parts of the hospital and spent, uh, spent, a, a few, uh, sorry, spent a few hours in their departments to learn what they did, what the issues were, um, what, what they wanted help with and that was um, really key in me being able to understand where I could add value and who knew how to manage different areas um so i was able to use those resources and pass them on to my team and um and yeah i think it, it put me in a pretty good place to be able to add value where i could did you find that interacting with the client group that you looked after as well did that change anything around the way you did work absolutely and it's it's like what Kira Lee was saying with um sort of understanding the why too when you can understand how someone works and what they need and what they what will help them in their role, your best place to support them um, and well-equipped to um, develop them and and provide them with a, a good experience. So, yeah. So both of you got nominated for the HRD Rising Star Award and, you know, Kira Lee promotion within seven months. Steph, you got the engagement surveys out. That's tough work and that's probably as a result of going above and beyond. Um, was there a particular mentality or attitude that you sort of take into the, the daily office? You know, is there a secret? Um, you know, how, how do you approach your day? And you know, was it just a matter of putting your hand up for everything? Or Yeah, for me, it was, I think, contributing uh, as much as I could um, to whatever I could. So understanding what is everyone working on and identifying the areas that I was interested in um, and just sort of nominating myself, I guess, and asking, hey, can I can I help you with that project or is there something that um, I can contribute that would be helpful um, and also having a voice and making that voice heard even when you're starting out I think that's something that um, a lot of young professionals probably struggle with is feeling like you know I might not have something that's valuable to contribute but you do and you always do um, and people are willing to listen and do want to hear what you have to say so um, I think that's a good mentality to to contribute as much as you can um, and learn learn as much as you can from every opportunity. Even if you're in a small organisation um, where there's not too many people in HR, who else is in that workplace that can help you? Is there someone that can mentor you that's been a strong manager or, or is there someone that can offer you advice, whether they may be working in an industry or have worked in an industry that you're wanting to move to in the future um, or... or yeah, have, have been in a position that you'd like to be in. Um, whatever you can take from them, uh, use it because people are knowledge um, and there's a lot of people around you that will have a lot to offer you uh, when you're just starting out. I think that's the power of networking groups and as you sort of touched on mentors as well, um, you know, getting involved with things like ARI and, and different virtual events and um, meeting people that are in the industry, you know, certainly um, getting a mentor is, is going to be beneficial. Um, did you find the same thing, Kiralee? 
Uh, yeah, um, what I found most useful for me uh, in the early days was um, just reminding myself that the sooner I could be myself, the sooner people could love me for myself um, and sort of um, make an impact in an organisation um, as the authentic self that I was uh, and am. Um, and uh, I know that at, um, at Aussie, you know, we certainly value people being their, their whole selves and being able to bring their whole selves to work. And that was definitely um, something that really helped me. You know, when you, when you start a new job and you're all nervous and you think, you know, I've got to make a good impression to that person and that person, that person, I've got to do all these things. But uh, being able to tell myself just to calm down and just be myself and everything else will follow. And uh, fortunately, um, it has. Um, and I mean, it's not always been smooth sailing, um, and it never is, but, um, you know, being able to look back and say, yep, I was me, um, is probably one of the biggest things that I've been able to take away. Absolutely. And I found that as well, myself, early career, um, you know, really focusing on being this professional outfit and mm -hmm. how you sort of want everyone to perceive you in a certain way. Um, but at the end of the day, people work for people. And I think the more authentic you are, you know, it's not about being likeable necessarily, but it's easier to work with someone who's a genuine person. Absolutely. Um, you don't want to be working with a, a whole bunch of robots. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's actually really interesting um, to hear both of your takes on that. Um, I actually had some additional questions. So when, when I um, knew that I was getting both of you on, um, obviously I, I work with a lot of young uh, HR candidates. Um, and I, I wanted to pose the question, you know, certainly whilst um, I, I can ask all the questions in the world, I don't work in HR, I'm not uh, a young HR practitioner as such, so I certainly wanted to throw it to the audience that is listening. Um, so I actually had a question for you, Kiralee, um, from one of my candidates, Natalie, she's a yeah. HR officer, so similar to how you started out at, at Team Aussie Broadband. Um, firstly, she wanted to know what you believe helped you to progress so quickly in your role. Oh, that's a good question. Um... So my role at Aussie when I started um, wasn't my first HR role. Um, I'd been working in a HR role for a couple of years in different in different companies and um, in different ways in, in you know temping and whatnot as well. Um, and what really helped me with uh, you know being able to progress that quickly was um, yes you know I had come to the organisation with a lot of varied experience in different industries, um, but. I think the biggest thing was that I just found my people and um, as unhelpful as this answer is, I, it was very much right place, right time um, kind of thing. Uh, and I remember on my first day um, uh, saying to the CEO, because at that point I reported directly to him, <laughs> our organisation was small enough that you could do that back then. Um, and I remember saying to him, you know, what have you got in mind for, um, for me? What have you got in mind for this role? Is there anything you want me to go after? Um, you know, we had 100 staff back then and, um, you know, I was a people and culture officer and he, he shrugged his shoulders at me and I'll never forget this. He shrugged his shoulders and I said, well, what does that mean? Like, that's a little bit too motivating. You know, what am I here for? And uh, he said, no, he said, don't take this the wrong way, but you're here um, on the ground floor of something that's going to grow. So build it. Um, you know, you're here, we are going to grow, um, we're going to, and, you know, speaking today, you know, December 2020, we're continuing to grow still, um, you know, build the career that you want to have. Um, and, um, you know, I've never, I don't think I'll ever forget that. Um, so that's exactly what I did. So that was my first day at Aussie and six months later, I had um, a team starting to form under me uh, and, you know, we shifted HR into, um, you know, a corporate department as well. 
um, and the organisation has flourished and grown um, and I've grown with it um, as well. But um, it's not just, you know, circumstance. You know, I've also put a lot into my own development in, along the way as well. Um, you know, I finished my postgraduate diploma um, and I'm now doing the RE certification as well. Um, I've just finished the first unit of that, which is great. Um, and um, certainly focus a lot more on networking and, and what I can um, learn from other people and, and connecting the dots of what other people and other experiences people have that can um, help me and help the business and the projects that I'm that I'm running. So it's not a it's not as simple as you know I um, applied for this job and you know I got it because I did this. It's it just grew organically um, and. Um, it's been a pretty wild ride. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you find um, on that, you know, you had that quite transparent conversation with your manager or the CEO at the time. Did you find that being quite upfront about what your objectives were in terms of your career was helpful? Um, not really. I didn't know what I wanted until um, six months later when, um, you know, he told me, okay, you know, we, we want to expand into training, you know, that's part of the strategy. I'm like, yep, okay. And I said, does that make me a manager? And he said, yep. Um, so pick your own title and what do you want? And I said, okay, well, it's going to be called learning and development, not training. And I'm <laughs> going to be called a people and culture manager because that's that's important to me. And he goes, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Do whatever, you you know, call it whatever you like. But, uh, you know, this is the direction we're heading. I'm like, great, I'm on board. <laughs> and that was sort of a, it was a five-minute conversation. Um of, uh, you know, this is what I'd really like it to look like. But, you know, the role was already mine in his eyes. Um, so the hard work had already been done, you know, um, because I was myself and I'd proven um, myself, I guess, um, to him and the rest of the business that um, I was somebody worth um, worth believing in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I'd be grateful for that. <laughs> and now here we are. That's fantastic. Here we are. Um, I've, I've got a question for Steph now um, from Iona. She's actually a people in culture coordinator that I, I worked with. Um, she wanted to ask, obviously you've excelled professionally in, in recent years. However, when reflecting back on your experiences, development and progression over the last few years in your career, is there anything you would have done differently if you had your time again? That's a really good question. Very, um, a lot of reflection. Detailed, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I think I probably would get more involved in networking. Um, when I was at uni, I, I should have um in hindsight joined you know the erhr network i didn't do that um i think that would have been valuable to meet more people um in a similar situation all trying to you know break into the industry it would have been great to form those connections earlier um i i'm from brisbane so i moved straight from brisbane to melbourne early um, early days, so I didn't really have a Brisbane network, but I think it would have been pretty valuable to have an interstate network and have people that I could um, turn to in Brisbane and, and bounce things off them. Um, so that would be, yeah, my piece of advice to young professionals breaking into the industry. Network as much as you can, as early as you can. Um, meet people wherever you can. Uh, if someone knows someone in HR, link in with them, have a coffee with them. Um, check out what they're doing and, and what they're working on and yeah, share knowledge and experience and yeah, that would be my piece of advice. Absolutely. I'm starting to see a bit of a common theme, you know, when you guys talk about, you know, the mentors and people that can give you advice mm -hmm. and um, that networking piece, that's, that's certainly there. Um, 
a little bit of a just, just sort of going off a little bit but um both of you mentioned you know obviously you're at university uh currently you're doing your your postgraduate um you know, certification how do you find the value of formal education to, to i guess some of the skill sets that you, you guys have yeah i um i have a um a strong value of um uh professional education i mean Obviously, you need experience to be able to do a lot of things, um, but never discount uni, um, and also just don't don't discount the experience either. They sort of sort of go hand in hand because the things you learn in uni are, um, you know, particularly critical thinking skills, um, which I know is a, um, a a core requirement to graduate um, as well. You know, universities want to see that you can do that, but um, those sort of transferable like research skills and um, working collaboratively and um, yeah, those those thinking skills of how to look outside the box and apply apply concepts and things like that is something that never goes astray. What would you, so Kiralee, um, coming back to you again now, um, what are some of the things you would recommend to others starting out their careers that they can do to, I guess, help themselves climb the ladder? Um, I've definitely heard that term a couple of times, but um, I actually had a couple of candidates ask me the, the same question, so certainly it's um, on the mind. Sure. Um, I think um, I think showing interest and showing that you want a seat at the table is really important. And if you've got a if you're in a HR team um, um, already uh, and you've got people who can yeah mentor you and, and show you the ropes, that's that's one thing. But being able to um, actually go up to somebody, a senior manager, whether they're in your field or not, and say, hey, can I have a seat at the table when you have this meeting? Because I'd really like to see how this works. Um, I've got um, a couple of team members under me uh, at the moment who are uh, quite junior and starting out um, and um, one of them in particular, um, that's her greatest greatest strength is how she just wants to wants to learn, wants to be involved and she, I mean I've got an open door policy anyway but she'll rock up in my office and say, hey, I know that you've got this meeting at three o'clock today, can I come? No worries, no problem at all. And the things that she's picked up and learnt, just because she's in the environment, she's hearing the words, she's hearing um, the thought process and how we um, discuss things, like when we're solving problems or whatever, the things that she's absorbed in the last uh, 10 months that she's been in my team or even less is nothing short of phenomenal because she's there and she's present. Um, and, I mean, sometimes you don't always get um, that opportunity. And I know in my earlier years I certainly didn't. Um, but uh, if you have that opportunity, take it. Take it every time. Yeah, just uh, just saying yes to everything. I think is um, <laughs> everything. Um, but also saying no to certain things. Yeah, you know, not to the detriment of yourself. <laughs> Never to the detriment of yourself. <laughs> but say yes. If there's anything that you know is a new experience or you know something new, extra responsibility, um, why not say yes? Um, it's only going to give you uh, every opportunity there. Um, I did have one final question for you, Kiralee, um, and this is once again from Natalie there. Um, but she wanted to know specifically, um, and it might be a little bit trickier for you to ask, uh, answer because you are in a company that is going through quite quite a big time of growth. Um, but for those working in a company that might not be going through reorganisation or other big change or projects, what other ways can they showcase their professional skill set? Create a project. So, uh, you know, look at the data that you'd have access to and look at the workforce that you're part of and say, okay, you know what, I reckon if we did this, 
it would have this impact. And there you go, you've got a project. But obviously there's a whole lot more work that goes into it than that. Nothing is ever that simple. But um, just because an organisation isn't growing uh, at that point or going through some sort of change management process doesn't mean you can't create one, even if it is on a small scale. Um, and if if you're not in that uh, environment where you can make that happen, um, then uh, something else I'd recommend would be to um, do further study and particularly at that um, post-tertiary, like postgraduate level, um, a lot of the assignments are more practical workplace-based and so um, whether you're in an organisation and you can use them or whether it has to be hypothetical, at least it helps you sort of connect the dots as far as theory and practice. And um, you can take that as a portfolio as an example when you have your next interview um, to say, okay, this is actually what I would do in that scenario. Um, and I've done the research. And I can see Steph nodding her head, um, you know, for obviously all you guys listening at home. But, um, you know, certainly, did you find the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I've, I've just recently finished the APC RE um, certified practitioner course. Um, I won't find out until I'm certified till Feb, though, so I can't, can't brag about it yet. But um, I, can, I can definitely say that I've learned so much over the last 18 months doing it. Um, I, I do feel that I've grown significantly professionally because it's like Kiralee was saying, all of those assignments, because that that certification is, is meant for or built for, you know, um, professionals that have been in the industry a couple of years, um, building on your on your undergrad studies, it gives you the ability to apply your, your research in your practical environment. Um, so you can really see the connection between, you know, Best, we always talk about best practice, um, you know, guides and 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 things like that, and, and you can see it how it plays out in the workplace. So it's very valuable, um, and I, I loved the learning journals as well because you can reflect back. I'm now, you know, at the end of it, I can reflect back on my unit one reflection um, journal and see how much um, has really changed since then. So it's it's definitely worthwhile. Absolutely, and I, I still have senior candidates. You know, they, these guys are. You know, employee relations specialists and they reflect back on some of the stuff that they did at uni and they've got notes that they refer back to they're like oh there's the fair work act that's the one i need to go to um so yeah certainly see that that balance there um Kiralee mentioned um you know starting your own projects as well um steph i know you've done a couple of projects as well you know is there anything that you, you might be able to suggest absolutely um i definitely agree with Kiralee. starting your own project you know do do a little bit of an environmental analysis a little bit of a scan what can you improve in it? And I think it's the it's the small wins that'll make the biggest impact because while you're while you're new in your role, you might feel like you know I don't want to go around telling people what they have to fix and you know what what's what could be better. But that's really where you learn and pointing those things out and 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 looking at what you can improve, even if it's a policy. Look at the policy. Is it in line with best practice? What are we missing? Is it the same as? you know, um, industry-leading organisations, how can we make it better? That's something that's a quick win, you know, amend the document, send track changes, send it to your manager, done. Um, so things like that, I think, um, helped me. Uh, and, I mean, certainly with scorecard reporting, um, looking at what are we collecting data-wise um, and what are we missing because data is so crucial um, and if you can maximise what you're gathering, uh, whether it be in recruitment practice, uh, are you asking enough questions, you know, in your candidate information sheets, um, new employee documents, things like that, um, and how can you improve, improve areas so, like that? 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sometimes you have that, that continuous improvement mindset, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I think that's certainly going to hold you in good stead. Um, well, I, I think that probably takes us to the end of today, but, you know, I wanted to thank both you, Kiralee and Steph, um, for joining us today. Um, you know, I think it's invaluable some of the things that you guys have shared and, you know, certainly for myself as well. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff that I can bring on board. Um, so, yeah, I just want to thank you both for, for jumping on our podcast today. Oh, thanks for the invitation. Yeah, yeah, thank absolutely. you for having us. And, and obviously, it was all of our first podcast today. How did you guys find the experience? <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, it was fantastic. good.